I missed the boat. We do apologize. We're having some technical issues these last few weeks, and poor Frank and Ross are up there. I think by the time the service is over, they'll both be bald. Uh, we're just having a really struggle with our tech right now, and, and uh, we're hoping to get it fixed. Uh, by the way, Jerry, who read scripture for us this morning, as he was going through uh, the instructions with Maria, he leaned over and said, it doesn't take long, I just did it. So it's not a really long process. And please, if you would like to get more information on how you could connect, I realize that we're seven days into readings, and I've posted seven readings, so it may take you a little bit to catch up. And um, please feel free. It's, it's kind of this moment for your aha moment, something that you've read many times, but all of a sudden, wow, that really stuck out. A married couple had been out shopping for most of the day, New Year's Day. Suddenly the wife realized that her husband had disappeared. Somewhat irate, she called her husband's mobile and demanded, Where are you? He replied, Darling, do you remember that little jewelry shop where you saw that beautiful diamond necklace and totally fell in love with it? But I didn't have the money at the time. I said, Darling, it's... It'll be yours one day? She tremendously said, Yes, I do remember that, my love. He said, Well, I'm in the pub next to the shop. <laughs> or another diamond one. Jemina was taking an afternoon nap on New Year's Eve before the festivities. After she woke up, she confided to Max, her husband, I just dreamed you gave me a diamond ring for a New Year's present. What do you think that means? Ah, you're, you'll know tonight, answered Max. At midnight, as the New Year was chiming in, Max approached Jamina and handed her a small package. Delighted and excited, she opened it quickly. There in her hand rested a book entitled The Meaning of Dreams. New Year's is a time that we often make resolutions. I'm not so sure that's as predominant as it was in the past. But I think all of us think about a new year, a fresh beginning, a new start. And that's, I want to spend just a few moments with you this morning before we go to communion. I've not intended to have a long, drawn-out sermon on New Year's. I think they've been shared for many, many years, but I do want to challenge us. I do want to try to draw us to something that I believe God is doing in our midst. And I wanted to use it as a reminder of where God is actually over these last couple of years through our leadership identified where we believe God wants our church to be. So if you have your bulletins, I would like you to read once again on the front of your bulletins our vision. This vision was, was prayed over for a number of months and was finally put together through the elders of, of our church a couple of years ago. But I want us to read it again, and I have a purpose for this. TPC is a growing community where Jesus is worshipped, and the gospel of his saving grace is proclaimed, where the presence of the Holy Spirit is felt and brings a passionate love for God and all who come. That is the vision that God has laid upon the leadership of this heart, that we would become that. 
that we would make footsteps moving forward to become this vision. We start a new year, and I believe that God has done tremendous things in the last years. This is our 50th year in this building. 50 years people have been meeting in this building. That is really quite amazing. And so somewhere through this year, as we work with the leadership team, we will have a 50-year celebration. And I understand, I may be mistaken, but I understand there's a time capsule buried somewhere within this building. Does anything, anybody know anything about that? The cornerstone. The cornerstone of the building? So if we take it out, will the building fall down? We don't know. But that might be something wonderful to investigate. What did people think the church would be in 50 years and then compare it? That kind of excites me to see the faithfulness of all those who've, who have been here in the past. One of the... I, I'm always fascinated. Zig is so much better at this pop culture stuff than I am. I, I'm still pretty old-fashioned, but Zig seems to have this pop culture personality. And so he always blows me away when he starts speaking and he's rattling off all this pulp, pulp culture stuff. And so I thought if I could just find a couple of pulp culture things this morning, it would make me feel good. Well, one of the new things in our culture, in this new culture, is what we call creating new normals. The 50 is the new 40. The 60 is the new 50. Creating new normals for ourselves. And as we move forward, I believe that I want to share seven things with you this morning, very quickly, without a lot of dialogue, and what I believe it will take within the body of our, Christ, of our church, within the body here, those who attend and fellowship at Thornhill Baptist Church, what we need to remind ourselves of so that we can become this. For me, this is a, is a pillar for 2018 for me that we truly march towards the steps of this vision in many practical ways. And so I want to share with you seven things, just as a reminder from God's Word, about what we need to meditate upon and believe and participate in if we are going to become what God wants us to become. So let me start with the first one. Oh, I've got to turn this on. Service is, serving is the purpose of my salvation and brings glory to God. Serving is the purpose of my salvation. And it brings glory to God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, for, the, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God and not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has prepared good works for this church to do. And he prepared it before he hung the first star in heaven. And through the years we have progressed towards that. And we will continue that progression in 2018 if we understand that part of our salvation 
is not simply the joy of eternal life, but it is also the joy of serving. The joy of serving. The Bible records the word serve or servant or serving 1,100 times from cover to cover. 1,100 times God speaks about his children being servants. If, it's got, if that word is used that many times in the Bible, it must be extremely important for our joyfulness. And so the first thing I want us to think about as we move forward is that serving is an extension of our salvation and it brings glory to God. Secondly, I have been uniquely gifted to serve. Several passages of Scripture, including the one we read today, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, in these chapters we learn how God graciously and supernaturally favors each believer with his or her own distinct ministry gift and talents. I'm not sure we understand that. I think we know it in our head. But do you clearly understand that God has uniquely gifted you for this church? He's not only drawn you to this church, but he's drawn you to this church because of the gifts and talents that he has supernaturally gifted you with. And if we're going to be what God wants us to be, we must recognize that each one of us, not just Pastor Gary, not our mission committee leaders, not our ministry leaders, not our deacons, each one of us has been drawn to this church with the gifts and talents that God has given us. And so if we are going to become what I believe God wants us to become, and if we're going to fulfill the vision that he laid on the hearts of our leaders, I can't emphasize that enough, my dear friends, how much time they spent in prayer over every word that they put into this vision. And for me, that means God has spoken. And he said, this is what Thornhill Baptist Church will become. Thirdly, Ministry service will demonstrate the reality of my faith. When we serve God, when we serve Christ, people see it as the reality of our faith. Serving is not always easy. Quite frankly, it's not always something we desire but is something that God has called us to. Nobody said it better than James when he taught us that faith is not primarily about what we know, and it's not primarily about what we say. Quite simply, faith without service is lifeless. Faith without service, he uses the word dead, but the original language kind of extended as a lifelessness. You're in a dormant state. Your faith is in a dormant state. Your people seeing you as a, as a dormant person in faith. But when we begin to serve, then our faith becomes real. People see it as real. People sense it as real. Ministry service will demonstrate 
the reality of my faith. Whoa, we got something happening here that I'm not pushing. Okay. It's automatic. Okay, can you advance it manually? Can you go to the next one? Yeah, the labors are few in fulfilling the Great Commission. The labors are few. This, is, this comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 36, 38. Listen to this. And these are words in red. So these are words of who? These are words of the Jesus we love and worship and serve. Here's what he says. Seeing the, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, Are you a disciple? Are you? I don't hear you. Are you a disciple of Christ? Then listen to these words. It's almost as if Jesus was praying these words. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest around this church is plentiful. There are all kinds of peoples and people groups and ethnic groups that surround our church and walk by us every day. But do we have enough workers to accomplish the task? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 38 then goes on to say, he says, Therefore then, beseech the Lord, pray to the Lord, beg the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the field. We often relate that to missions. It's one of the most popular mission verses in the Bible. And most, most evangelical mission agencies will use that verse somewhere in their training program, somewhere in their teaching. But it goes beyond the mission field because the mission field is coming to us. The mission field is walking right in our doors. Take a time to look around this congregation and the ethnic groups that God is bringing to us. And then walk through our community and look at the ethnic groups that are residing in our community. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. A popular business principle is called the 80-20 principle. I think it's been active in the church since its existence. Basically, it goes like this. Typically, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I'd like to see it the other way around. But we need to be willing. Next one. Our children tend to emulate what they see, not what they hear. Our children tend to learn by what they see, not necessarily what they hear. And so if moms and dads or big brothers and sisters or whoever in our congregation is somewhat dormant in service, guess what their children see? 
The church is not a place where you need to serve. But if we're going to be successful, we need to be able to recognize our call to servanthood, our call to service. Next one. Ministry involvement enhances biblical understanding. When you become involved in ministry, believe it or not, the Bible begins to make a whole lot more sense when you start reading it. Because God will always direct our consciousness, always direct our learning skills towards our service area. When we begin to serve, as God has called us to serve, when we begin to read the Bible, we recognize the biblical essence of our service. One of the, one of the studies in Bible college that I really struggled with, Pastor Ken, Pastor Zig, Jim Laverette, some of the, the pastors who I know within my circles understood the importance of hermeneutics. I have a grade 9 education. I didn't even know what the word hermeneutics meant when I entered Bible college. And so my reading of the Scriptures in those days and my reading of the Scripture today is probably a little more simplistic than those who understand the depth, importance, and primary focus of hermeneutics. I now can say it. But what I have learned throughout my years as a simple Peter, I'm not a Paul, I'm not a Luke, I'm a Peter, just a simple blue-collar fisherman who came to know the Lord in, the mid, in his mid-30s, and when I began to read the Bible, I didn't understand hermeneutics, I didn't understand all those things, so I just took the word, the, the word at face value. Exactly what it said is what I'll believe. I have learned over the years, no matter what trace, translation you use of the Scripture, there's enough evidence in that translation to point you to Jesus. It doesn't matter what translation it is. There's enough information in there that will point you to Jesus. But as I began to find ways to minister for Christ before I even entered Bible college, all of a sudden his word became lively for me. And I began to understand and I began to know more about biblical understanding. You see, when you begin to serve and you run into some sort of obstacle in your service area, you start to plead for help. You start to plead for help. I don't want to tell you how many times I sit in my office and say, help me, Jesus. I've got this thing to do, or I'm involved in this thing, and I have no idea where I'm going. But help me, Jesus. And whenever I begin to read the word, help comes. I start to understand. And so finally, this morning, next, the next one, doing anonymous or little-noticed things for the Lord is like whispering, I love you, Jesus. 
doing anonymous or little things for the Lord is like whispering, I love you, Jesus. I'm reminded of the year 1978. And I, my wife and I and family started to attend this little church in a high school. I was a brand new baby in Christ. And I had no idea what I was going to do. So my first Sunday, I decided to my wife, I said to my wife, we don't want to be late. See, there's something in our family. Whenever my wife needs to be there, she's standing at the door 15 minutes before they get there. Whenever I need to be there, something important. She hasn't made it to the door yet. So I was sure and made sure we were going to be there early. And I went there early, and I noticed that the gymnasium was bare. There was nothing there. And I'd gone there the week before, and there were chairs all set up. So I went and found the chairs, and I began to set the chairs up. And for six months, by myself, I set the chairs up every Sunday morning, and I took the chairs down every Sunday after service. And when I think back, those were some of the happiest six months of my life. Because when I was serving Jesus just by myself, anonymously, and it was a simple fact I was doing, just putting up chairs, I never felt closer to Jesus than I did then. You see, service draws us unto Christ. Service draws us into a deeper relationship with Christ. He has called us to serve Him in very practical ways. Often we think serving Christ is this spiritual way, this supernatural way. But no. Jesus just asks us to serve Him in some simple ways. And when we do it without anyone noticing... You know, I think, I think this new generation, and I think it's been around for a long time. I'm, I'm not sure it's the 21st century generation, but I think it's been around for a long time. Humanity has become very narcissistic. People need to see what I'm doing. People need to see how good I am. They, they need to see it. And I get gratification from that. I confess to you I'm narcissistic in that way. I really am. When we were asked this morning to pray, that's what I prayed for. I said, Lord, don't let this be about me. Take me out of the equation. Let, just, let, let me learn to, that it's always all about you. When we serve, we draw close to God. And he draws close to us. Service also, although I don't have it here, forges long-lasting relationships. When we serve together, our relationships together grow. Why do I bring these thoughts to us in this new year? Because of this. Because of this. This is the picture God wants of us. And it's this picture that will win our community to Christ. We're going to go to the Lord's table now.
But I ask you this simple question. To everyone who attends, participates as a member of Thornhill Baptist Church, short-term, long-term, been around forever, how are you serving in this church? How are you serving in the church? Because we will never be successful unless we all join together and serve together. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all those who are visibly serving all the time. I'm also thankful of a few folks I know who aren't that visible, but serve. But I also recognize as the pastor that not everyone is serving. And so I set the challenge for 2018. On February the 25th, we're going to have Serve Sunday. And we're going to have some of our ministry leaders at tables in the foyer listing areas where they need people to help them serve, to help their ministry become what God wants it to become. Between now and then, I, I challenge you to pray. Where does God want you to participate? Because there are things that need to be accomplished in this church that may never be accomplished unless you do participate because it's your gift and talent that he brought here. In real, reality or not, you may be the only person that can do it. Tough New Year's message. But I don't apologize. Because I believe we will accomplish this. I believe the Holy Spirit has the power to enable us to accomplish this. But we need all to be in the team. We need all to be on the team. Father, I thank you for a new year, Holy Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did not come in 2017. And so that means that you still have work for us to do in 2018. And as a church family, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to each of our hearts and to enlighten us as you indwell us. Help us to understand what our gift is and then find ways to apply our gift and talent in your body that we might reach the lost that surround us. Grant that blessing, I pray, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.